All right, everybody say seekers. Now, this particular passage that we just read takes some time to focus on the wise, the wise men. Now, there is a lot that we don't know about the wise men. The first thing we don't know about the wise men is really how many there were. A lot of times people, you know, on Christmas cards or in the nativity scene, there's always the three wise men. They say three because there are three gifts, but there is no definite distinction in Scripture that lets us know how many wise men there were. We also can't be exact on the country they come from. Some believe they came from India. Some teach they came from Iraq. The, the vast majority of scholars teach that they came from a place called Babylon. Uh, we also don't know how they got there. You know, when you see your nativity scene, there's three wise men and, and, and some camels, but, but we really don't know how they got there. In fact, if they came from the east, it is believed that they would have had Arabian horses, not necessarily camels. We, we also don't know what the star was that they saw. We, we have no clear indication of what the star was. Some teach that it was a supernova or some think it was a comet. Um, there are some people that teach different things and here's what I would just say. Some people get stuck on certain things that are not clear in scripture. I would say this, uh, that we probably don't need to know it. <laughs> we don't need to know it if it's not in there. Uh, the main thing in this story, I would say in many stories in the Bible, the main things are the plain things. Can I get an amen? And so we do know this, that these wise men were on a journey seeking the Messiah, seeking the king. And if you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to write down is simply this. The wisest thing we can ever do is seek Jesus. The wisest thing we can ever do. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. This scripture has been in my heart for the last seven days. You will seek me and find me when, everybody say when, you seek me with all your heart. So it's important that we are seeking a proper spouse to marry. That's, that's wisdom. It's, it's important that we are using caution and, you know, investments or uh, life and business and what are you going to major in and all of that is important and that is using wisdom. But according to the word of God, the wisest thing that we can ever do is to seek Jesus. In fact, the Bible says to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So, so we're talking today about the seekers. And there are three distinctions I see in this story, though there are many more. I want to just take time to talk about three separate distinctive characteristics about those who are seekers that we see in the text that we just read. The first one we see is simply this. Seekers are persistent despite difficulty. Seekers are persistent despite difficulty. The Bible let us know in verse 1 and 2 that they have come from afar. They were from, from an east land, many, many miles. When you think about the difficulty that the wise men faced to find this new king, Messiah, you got to think about a couple of different things. Number one, think about the distance. Now, we don't know the exact spot they started from, but we can have a good indication that it is anywhere between 500 to 800, and some teach 1,000 miles, that they had come from the east. 
Some believe that it took up to 40 days for them to arrive at this location. Now, not even just 40 days. There are many scholars, I actually tend to believe this part of, of, of the writings, that, that it was up to two years for the wise men to arrive in that place. If you read in just a moment ago, did you see in the passage, it said that they arrived in a house and he was a child. Did you notice that? They were no longer in, the, in a stable, in a manger. They were done with that stage. And the Bible lets us know that he was no longer a baby. He was a child when they arrived. So indicating that they were still in Bethlehem, but possibly living and had a home in the place of their lineage, which was Bethlehem, the Bible says. So I want you to stay with me for a moment. If you even notice your nativity scenes at home, the wise men are there, the angels are there, Jesus is there, the mother's there, Joseph is there, and, 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 and there's an angel normally on top of the barn, like, you know what I'm saying? So, so when you see this, uh, I, I don't want you to go home and throw out your nativity scene or anything, but really the wise men were probably not there that, that exact night. They had traveled much distance and, incur, and, and endured much difficulty to see this new king. So not only think about the distance, but think about the discomfort. They didn't drive there and afford F-150 with air conditioning and heated seats. Come on, somebody. They had traveled from a far distance, experiencing harsh terrain, exposed to the elements. There are some that believe that this wasn't just a handful. This was an entourage, a very large group of these wise, they called them magi, from the east. It was, very, it was a lot of them. So if you know anything about travel, if you want to go fast, you go alone. But if you want to go far, you go together. And there was a large group of them. So can you imagine how many bathroom breaks they had to have? Imagine how many times somebody's order got messed up at McDonald's, had to circle back around again. This was a lot of stuff going on, and they pushed through discomfort. True seekers, hear me today, will seek God even when it's uncomfortable. Can I get an amen? You know, it makes me laugh every single week. I'm just being honest with you. I check the weather every single week, just like many of you, but I don't normally check, you know, the day of. Or I always want to see the weekend weather. More specifically, I want to see Sunday morning weather. Because then I can adjust my expectations to see how many church people are really coming to church this week. <laughs> uh, come on. When I saw that there was going to be weather coming through this weekend and, and the tornado uh, watches or warnings coming over our counties, and I'm like, oh, Lord, ain't going to be nobody at church tomorrow. And then when I saw that the temperature dropped, the temperature dropped, I was like, it's going to be empty. There ain't going to be nobody coming. You know, it's funny that if I ever hear thunder on a Sunday morning, you know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like 500, store, uh, 500 church people just flipped over in their bed and went to sleep. That's what it sounds like to me. It's like, oh, it's thunder. We ain't going to church. You know, it was funny. A few years ago, I was invited to a Cleveland Browns game. Now, I'm from Ohio. I don't watch a lot of NFL, but I was invited to the Cleveland Browns game. Now, if you've ever heard of the Cleveland Browns, raise your hand. All right, how many of you know they have the worst winning ever? They never win. They're horrific. They're the worst NFL team of all time. Pastor Aaron, is that pretty accurate? They're like the worst, right? So, so we got invited to be a part of that night, and so we're sitting up in the nosebleeds, and we parked like two miles away, and it is snowing. 
We walk in, we go way up where the wind is just hitting us. And this entire stadium is packed full of people. And if you know me, you know this isn't me, but I went down to the concessions and bought two hot chocolates at $8 a piece and just held them in my hands to warm my fingers up. <laughs> I'm not making that up. It was that cold. And we are cheering, and we are screaming, and we are laughing, and we are freezing, and the Browns are losing. <laughs> and I can't help but think when I see that, about how the wise men were willing to push through discomfort to get to the presence of Jesus. And in 2023, isn't it a little bit embarrassing how the weather can shake us off from getting to the house of God? How, how just a little bit of, of anything to throw us off and keep us from the word of God? Isn't it something that as Christians, that how easy it is for when things get a little uncomfortable, we then start just taking it easy. We would rather not do it. But here's the reality. The desire that we have in our life is proven in our pursuits. In other words, I can tell you what you want by what you're chasing. So you can tell me that you love Jesus, but the Bible says that your lips can say one thing, but your heart can be far from him. <laughs> they were willing to seek Jesus despite it being dis in discomfort. And not only that, it was also dangerous. King Herod was mad. King Herod was threatened. King Herod was, was a person that was, the Bible says, called the king of the Jews. The, 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 the wise men show up and say, hey, we're looking for the king of the Jews. He's like, you're looking right at him. I was like, no, 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 we're looking for the real king of the Jews. Herod was, the Bible says, deeply troubled. Later in verse 16, the Bible says he's furious. He tells the wise men, tell me where he is so I can come and worship him. Obviously, King Herod's idea was not to worship him, but to kill him because we find out when the, when the wise men don't return, the scripture tells us that Herod becomes so furious and puts out a government-issued uh, command that every baby under the age of two that's a male was to be murdered. His intent was not to worship Jesus. His intent was to kill the threat of another king. That's what Herod was. So these men are traveling great distance. They're, they're living in great discomfort, and now there's political pressure, and there's great danger. And they still, hear me, saw Jesus. Can I just commend all the people in the room that despite what you're going through and the things that you're facing, you still keep seeking Jesus. You just don't quit. You may be going through trouble in your mind, but you don't quit. You can go through things in your marriage, but you don't quit. You can be struggling with things in your heart, but you don't quit. You can be struggling with things in your business, but you don't quit. Because here's the reality, you can lose everything and you still have Jesus. You can have a job this month and have, and have no job next month, but you still have Jesus. You can be dealing with things and have peace in your life one month, and the next year you'll be struggling with issues in your heart and your mind, but you still have Jesus. Can I, can I get anybody in the room that knows what it's like, that he said he'll never leave you? The Bible says he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. 
So despite how uncomfortable life can get sometimes, me and you have a responsibility that despite what we're facing, we're still gonna push to get to Jesus. Can I get a big amen? There's something about it when you're dealing in life with uncomfortable seasons and you still raise those hands when the music's playing. It's just something how many times in our own lives where it has been difficult and it just seems like hellhounds are barking and it just seems like, like the world is in chaos and you're not sleeping well and your kids are acting up, but when you come into the house of God, there's just something about raising your hands and telling him that he's the king of kings and the lords of lords and you just begin to worship him and magnify him. Not only do we see that seekers are persistent despite difficulty, but the next point we see is that seekers are extravagant worshipers. Extravagant worshipers. Matthew chapter two, verse 11, look what happens. And going into the house, they saw the child with his iPad <laughs> hanging out as a toddler with his mom, and when they came in, the Bible says, watch this, they fell down and they worshiped him. I love that it didn't just say they worshiped him. I love that the Bible lets us know their physical posture is that these well-to-do, notable wise men got down on their knees in front of the king of kings and lowered themselves. Can I tell you, that is the image of worship. When we come to church, we will raise our hands, and that's something the Bible teaches. We'll, we'll clap, that's what the Bible teaches. We'll shout unto God with the voice of triumph, that's what the Bible teaches. But sometimes we will kneel, that's what the Bible teaches. In fact, in the Hebrew, there are seven different words for praise that all have seven different expressions. So we do things that honor God because that's God's love language is what praise and worship. But really, in essence, what worship is, whether it is clapping, whether it is cheering, it is ultimately the image of lowering ourselves. It is reminding us who's in control and who isn't. John the Baptist said it like this, that I must decrease so that he may increase. That this bowing, hear me today, is not just a physical posture, but it is a lifestyle, it is an attitude that we as followers of Christ live our lives low, humble, not arrogant, not insisting on our own way, not fighting to be heard, not, not trying to be important. We, we just humble ourselves. I was with a pastor not long ago, Pastor Larry Stockstill, and he told me something that was so profound. He says, you cannot fall when you are on your face. Living your life humble before God, lowering yourself, 
giving up your preferences. You know what makes me concerned is that some of us know how to clap. Some of us know how to raise our hands. Some of us know the words of the psalm, but we've never lowered ourselves. In fact, I would you rather not raise your hands and just lower yourself <laughs> that in your own heart you realize that you are not the king. That in our own hearts that we realize that we are not the masters of our lives. That the job that we have, he gave us that job. And the kids that we have, he gave us those kids. And the, and the life that we live, he has blessed us and helped us and strengthened us. How many of you know that you wouldn't even be here today if it wasn't for Jesus Christ? So look what happens as an expression of them lowering themselves, themselves, look what they do in the last part of verse 11. After they're lowering themselves to a little child and worshiping him, the Bible says, then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts. They offered them, him gifts. They gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We've all heard that and I've heard a lot of people teach on it. Really, it could be three things. Gold is a sacred metal reserved only for kings. The Jews, excuse me, the, these wise men come in and they're identifying him as a king. They even say that to Herod. Where is this newborn king of the Jews? We, we need to give this to a, to a king. They worshiped him as somebody with supreme authority. Number two, they gave him frankincense. Frankincense was an ingredient in the tabernacle, and it was used for worship in the Old Testament. It was for a sweet perfume. In fact, the book of Exodus commands that it should never be used for any other purpose, and it could only be used for God. So what they're saying is this, this child that we, are, that we are giving this frankincense Two, this is a sign we are saying to this child that you're not only a king, but you're God. But you're God. Now, now stay with me. Jesus is much more than a moral teacher. Jesus is much more than a humanitarian individual. He's much more than a positive influence in, in, in old culture. Jesus is God. Come to earth. The Bible says, Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In fact, the New Testament says that Jesus is the visible form of an invisible God. He's saying there, give him frankincense to honor the fact that he is God. Just like the Bible says, for unto us this day a child is born, his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. The third thing they gave him was, was myrrh was myrrh. It's like when I, my family in West Virginia, they would say, pass the potatoes, I want some myrrh. <laughs> in fact, when I went to Pastor Tommy's house a few days ago, he had a nativity scene set up in his house. I said, Pastor Tommy, uh, why does your wise men have fireman hats on? He goes, what do you mean? I said, all your wise men have fireman hats on. He goes, haven't you ever read the Bible, you Yankee? I said, I don't, I don't understand. He goes, the wise men came from afar. <laughs> I 
I thought it was disrespectful, but he doubled down. I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> they gave him this, this myrrh. The book of Mark records in chapter 15, verse 23, that they had mingled or they had mingled wine with myrrh and gave it to Jesus on the cross. The bitter spices were made to embalm people. It was their way of honoring the dead. And, and it was almost like, listen to this, a prophetic gesture that this baby in a cradle is eventually coming to a cross. That God sent not his son just to live, and, but he sent his son to die. And Jesus didn't come just to be a political figure. He didn't come to be a historical uh, attribute to our, to our world. Jesus came to not just be served, but he came to die and be a ransom for many, giving his life. And it was those three wise men in those three gifts are ultimately saying this, that you are the king, you are the Lord, and you are the Savior. In those three gifts, those kings in their low posture just begin to worship and they begin to acknowledge the fact that you are king, that you are Lord, and you are Savior, that you are ultimate, that you are powerful, and you are in control, humbling themselves before an almighty God. So we see a couple of things. We see that we see that seekers are persistent despite pressure. We see that seekers are extravagant worshipers. And let me just say before I go on, I never want to pastor a church that doesn't worship. That when the music is going and the praise is going, that it's not a time that we look around and, 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 and what's everybody else doing? No, no, no. This is the time of the service where we give something to God. And it's funny how people can check out and they're waiting on the message. But the service that we have is not just for you to eat fresh bread from a message. That's important. But it is also a way to offer our sacrifice of praise to God. Because when you think about it, God doesn't need to hear this sermon. God's not in here right now like, what? I've never heard this. He's brilliant. Not even close. But you know what he is doing? He's leaning down and listening for the praises of his people. So when we come together, the word is for us, but the worship's for him. <laughs> Lastly, seekers are forever changed. Seekers are forever changed. Matthew chapter 2, verse 12. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country. Watch this another way. God had interrupted them, spoke to them, and told them that Herod's going to harm them, and they need to go another way. It could be said that when you come to Jesus, you don't leave him the same way that you came. I believe that there are many of us in this room today that your story would be so different, but you came to Jesus. That there's so many of you that when you've been hurting, though you are a Christian, but you struggle sometimes. And how many times have you come in the building 
and you just got in his presence and you sense his sweet Holy Spirit grip your heart and a tear may run and then God just begins to minister to you in a fresh and new way, giving you strength for the week and hope for tomorrow. And I, I'm just trying to speak to somebody's heart today that only Jesus can change you like Jesus can change you. And I don't know what the world is offering, but I'm telling you today that if you come to him, It's like that old song in church. It's one of the best songs, man. I say it all the time, but you won't leave here like you came. In Jesus' name. I don't remember the exact words, but it would say like, I think it was like bound, sick, oppressed. Come on, Pastor Tommy, you gotta know this. Huh? You let me down all the time. <laughs> Who knows the song? Anybody old? Somebody old, help me. 11 o'clock, don't know Jesus. Oh, right here. Okay, is that Tim Wilcox? What's the words, that line? Bound, oppressed, tormented, sick, or lame. You won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. Thank you, Tim Wilcox. He's gonna be starting up our senior citizens ministry here soon. <laughs> I wish I could go around the room and tell the stories of, that I've heard of the difference Jesus has made in our lives. So many of you, I could just look around and know the stories of what Jesus did in your life. You came one way, but you left another. You came broken and you left mended. You never left perfect. But maybe you left praying. <laughs> maybe you left trusting. Let me show you this verse. Back to John, Jeremiah chapter 29 in the message translation was the first verse we read today. I want to read it in the message. It says, when you come looking for me, God says, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious, when you get for real serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. He even goes on to say, I'll turn things around for you. Maybe today, God is trying to pull on your heart talk to the seekers in this place. And say, if you're willing to seek me when it's uncomfortable, if you're willing to seek me in your worship and humble yourself and not make it about you, I can change you. Maybe the reason some Christians don't experience change is because the name Christian is just something they've added on to their life and they've really not humbled themselves and become a servant of God. They've not, they read the Bible looking to see if they approve of it. Well, I agree with this. This makes sense. What if it doesn't make sense to you? What if you don't, a lot? What if you don't like it? What if you don't approve it? What if culture doesn't applaud it? Are you going to humble yourself? 
and say, you know what, this is what his word says. I trust this is what he, this is what, this is what he teaches us. It takes humility to function in any relationship, right? Any relationship. You can't be married and proud. You can be married, it won't be a good marriage. But you can't do it proud. You, you can't raise kids proud. You can't pastor a church proud. You can't have coworkers, a healthy, maintaining relationship, proud. All relationships require humility to function properly. And it is the same with the kingdom of God, that God is saying, I can work with people. I resist the proud. That's what he says. I resist these proud, arrogant people. And then he says, I give grace to the humble. You know what I'm afraid of, church? That we'll get proud. Have you been to Vibrant? It's the best church in town. You should see our preacher. He came from Ohio. He came from afar. <laughs> look at our worship team. Look at our screens. Look at, look at our stuff. The Bible says no flesh can glory in his presence. I would rather hear me. I'm glad for it. But I didn't grow up with this. Let me tell you this. I don't need it. We don't need the building to worship God. We thank God for it, but we don't need it. We, we thank God that we're adding new parking spots out there and we're using it for the glory of God. And my prayer is that as God keeps advancing our church and we take more ground for the kingdom and the kingdom of darkness is being pushed back, that we won't be proud and say, I did this. We did this. The Bible says the moment that we begin to take pride in ourselves, and we stop lowering ourselves. And now all of a sudden, now that you make 50,000, now that you make 100,000 a year, now that you have more clients, and now that you have more people coming, and now that you're really important, and now that you got voted in the office, now all of a sudden when you're a teenager, you're like this. But now in your 30s and 40s, you stand up and look at God eye to eye? Now you're kind of important and you can stand up to God. And throughout scripture and history and current time, it don't take long to Google to find people God has pulled his hand off. Because somebody started to stand and they felt important and they thought they were something and they thought they were intelligent and they thought they were all this. The Bible says, I use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. I'll use some goon from Ohio. I'll use some crazy people in Mississippi if they stay humble. Let's not make this about us. It just doesn't work. The wise men extravagantly laid themselves out and said, here we are. Jesus hadn't done a miracle yet. He hadn't raised Lazarus from the dead. He hadn't died on the cross. He hasn't fed the 5,000. But they knew in themselves who they were dealing with and thought, I don't need to see a miracle. I don't need to see big things happen. I don't need to be, I just need to lower myself. This, since COVID, I think the church has had a great shaking 
I think Christians all over the world has had a great shaking that God said, okay, now that I got your attention, it's time to get back on your knees again. You thought you were so impressive with your campuses and live stream and look at us. And God said, you know what? I will make this so uncomfortable for you that all you can do is say, you know what? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to pray. I don't know what to preach. I don't know what to think. I prayed for a service, and I mean it, that God would never allow me or any leader in this church to try to take the credit for this. And the moment we start, he just moves us out. I prefer he corrects first. Let's start there. <laughs> Correct it before you, you know, strike me with lightning. <laughs> Life is so much better when you're lower. Your family is so much better when you're lower. I'll tell you this, as a pastor, part of my responsibility is to facilitate that presence in the room and just keep that anointing. I'm really big into that. I don't just believe in three songs or three point and go home. I, I need to sense God's in the house. I need to sense that, and I'll sit on that front row. And I can tell with my eyes closed. I try, not to, I try to keep my eyes closed so that I can feel it. I can feel it. And I can sense at times in this room when you feel the presence of God and faith being stirred. And it's like the whole room begins to lower in themselves. And it's telling God, you're king, you're Lord, you're savior. It's like in 2023, we're opening up the treasures of our heart and giving him the gold we would love to keep for ourselves, And giving him the myrrh we would love to keep for ourselves, And giving him the frankincense that makes us feel important and giving it all to him. Last thing, I'll, I'll quote Pastor Larry one more time. I didn't tell this to last service. Pastor Larry taught me every Sunday night and Monday morning. If you forget Sunday night, do it Sunday morning. He's talking to me. We're talking about pastoring. He said, every Monday morning when you get up, after you've shaken a thousand hands. I shake hundreds of hands on Sunday. I love, I love it. You guys always get me sick, though. We got to stop with that. <laughs> He said, after you've preached and you've seen 10 or 15 people come to Christ. After you see full rooms and after you see parking lots and after you see the songs and hands raised and tears run. When you get home, I want you to take your hands. He taught me this. I do it all the time. He goes, God, I give all that to you. That wasn't mine to keep. Listen, it's easy to amen that for me because I'm the only one up here, but let me talk to you. When's the last time you got up on Monday or on Friday when you got your check or when you walked through and you thought, you know what, my kids ain't fighting today. God, I give that all to you. When's the last time you took your hand and said, God, I give it all to you. This isn't about me. He resists the proud. You know what's funny? There is no, man, I'm getting thoughts up here. You know, there is no Nothing to indicate that Herod ever saw the star. Those scribes and those scribes and writers, they, he pulled in the local preachers to explain the prophecy. The Bible never says they know where he's supposed to come, but they never went looking for him. Isn't that something? They know the Bible, but weren't seeking him. Herod was considered king and never just said, tell me where he is. 
It's almost like, can I live stream it? It's easier. God is looking for a church to seek him. The Bible says like this, while he may be found. In other words, there's going to be a day you can't find him. Now's the time. Today's the day of salvation. Now is the time to say once and for all, I'm seeking him, surrendering my life and lowering myself. Will you do me a favor? Will you stand with me all over the room? I want to have them sing that, oh, come let us adore him one more time. I know some of you want to rush out of here and you got to get somewhere. And, but just give me a minute. It's only five minutes after 12. Let's make sure in these moments we're not rushing out and getting out of the service. Your kids are still in there. Cracker barrel's still open. It's going to be okay. Everybody breathe. Isn't that better? Okay, now lock the doors. Okay, now... Let's be a church, let's be a people, let's be a family that is humble before God, that will lower ourselves and say, we're not in control. He's king, I'm not. So with eyes closed all over the room, I want you to do me a favor, and I want you to worship God today in the closing of this service, and you make him your number one attention. He is your audience right now. And as Pastor Tyson and the team begin to sing, I want you to slip your hands to heaven. If you want to even get down on your knees, if you want to come to the altar, I, I just need to know, even in my own heart and my own life, that I'm going to lower myself. And it's not about me. And it's not about my, my fame. And not about being noticed in the community. It isn't about, it's just about making Jesus famous. Come on, all over the room. God, we give everything to you. We give everything to you. We give everything to you. Father, we give everything back to you. We honor you. We glorify you. 
We thank you for every square foot of our house and we give it to you. We thank you for every one of our children and we give it to you. We thank you for every dollar in our bank accounts and we give it to you. We thank you for breath in our lungs. We give them to you, Father. We pray that our church and our community and our families, that we will humble ourselves and worship the King of Kings, that we will give of ourselves and surrender our lives and you are who is worthy. You are who we adore. You are our focus, and we give ourselves to you. Forgive us of our arrogance. Forgive us of our pride. Forgive us of our ego. We surrender it to you, Father. And we lower our imperfect, broken self. And we say, for you alone are worthy. Come on, sing it all over the room. my brokenness to you. Give him your bitterness. Give him your anger. Give him your frustrations right now. I just sense God touching people all over this room who are just saying, finally, God, here's my whole heart. I've been holding parts back. I've been keeping things secret. I've been keeping things to myself. But today, Father, I pray you begin to break the hearts of men and women and children that today we will open ourselves to you. And as we open ourselves to you, you open your Yourself to us and we thank you for it. Come on, let's worship the king. And we'll give him all, all the glory. All the glory. Everything at 500 Holy Hill Road. We give it to you. Every soul, every square foot, every child, every teenager, every parking spot, every missionary, every song service, every sermon. We give it to you, God. hunger and thirst after righteousness the word of God says that he will fill those people and I pray a hunger over our church I pray a spirit of revival it doesn't come to the proud it comes to the humble I just hear in my heart is uh 
there are people praying for a job opportunity, and I know this may be weird, but I just sensed that God was waiting on you to humble yourself before he opened the door. I just sense that for somebody. It may only be one person. I've never said that, but I just sense that. That you, are, you have been praying for something. God says, until you get out of my way, I can't do certain things for you. there in this moment if you don't know Jesus Christ or maybe you've backslid you got away from him you just need to come home today <laughs> you need to humble yourself once and for all and come back you're mad at God you're mad at yourself you're mad at others you're you're disgruntled toward the church whatever it is it's time to humble yourself I can't fix the past but I can tell you about a good future it takes humility to call on him as Lord and Savior. But today, do not leave this place without calling on his name. If you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven, do me a favor. Raise that hand all over this room. I'm ready for heaven. I'm ready for heaven. For millions of years, we'll sit at his feet and sing, oh, come let us adore him. <laughs> we'll go from God with us to us with God. If you couldn't raise your hand just now, can I pray with you? The Bible lets us know that anyone, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want you to join me in this moment. The power's not in the prayer. The power's in the heart. You believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. All over the room, let's pray together. Say, dear God, forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean with your blood. I surrender my life once and for all. I want to be a seeker for the rest of my life, in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe it today, give God a big praise. I want to remind you before you go, we have those opportunities for you to give on your way out. You can see on the screen, you can give online, you can give at the doors on your exit. I want to let you know too, our prayer team is always available. They're going to come right now. They're going to line up across the front. Our pastors are here. If you need prayer for anything at all, and you just need to respond to this message, and you don't even know what you need prayer for, I want you to come down. If you're one of the people that said yes to Jesus, I want, we got some material for you. We want to give you and bless you and strengthen you upon, along your journey with God. Can I pray with you today in our final closing? God, I pray that the Lord bless these people. I pray that you keep them. I pray your face shine upon them and you be gracious to them. I pray that you will lift up your countenance upon them and you will give them perfect peace in Jesus' name. And this church said, amen. God bless you, Vibrant Church.